I'm Tina Tang, an equities trader turned jewelry designer turned strength coach for women over 40. This podcast is my survival guide to health over 40, where I'll share things I wish my mom had told me, and where I'll interview experts to give us guidance about aging well. Check in every week for my newest episode. New York and New Jersey friends, save the date, July 15th, for a very special workshop, Everything Your Mother Didn't Tell You About Menopause. I'll be co-hosting this with Dr. Melanie Yanez, and our panelists will include a menopause-certified gynecologist, a pelvic floor physical therapist, and a menopause-specialized nutritionist. I will be moderating the questions, asking everything that I wish my mom had shared with me. The event will be held at Serendipity Loft in downtown Jersey City from 1 to 3 p.m. on July 15th. More details to come about how to book a ticket. I have had three very different careers so far in my life. I was an equities trader at Goldman Sachs, a jewelry designer entrepreneur where I owned and ran three of my own jewelry stores in Greenwich Village for 10 years, and now an online and in-person fitness coach. And I've been doing that for over 10 years now too. None of these three careers had been planned. Even when I interview people on my podcast and ask them about how they got into their particular career, it's also unplanned. I remember Dr. Sarah Nowakowski, who's a sleep medicine professional that helped people with their sleep. She got into her career because she worked at a sleep lab as a part-time job in college. She continued to work there and then became more interested and knowledgeable about it as she worked there. And that's how she ended up picking that career. So I wanted to share my journey with you to help maybe guide you, give you a little insight in case you're thinking about transitioning your career. And I know that my path is not going to be necessarily your path, but hopefully this gives you a little bit of hope or some ideas of how you can find your new path. My career started off at Goldman Sachs because that was the hot job in the early 90s when I was graduating from college. It was the type of job all my peers wanted. At that time, we wanted to graduate with either an investment banking or a consulting job. And I don't think a lot of us even knew what exactly working on Wall Street meant or even at consulting. We knew it paid well. We knew that it was prestigious. And we also knew that it was going to be long hours and that that's the norm when you're starting off in anything. As a side note, to get a better idea of what Wall Street was like during those early 90s, read a book called Liar's Poker by Michael Lewis. That's the same Michael Lewis who wrote Moneyball because it was about his personal experience as a liberal arts major. He was an art history major who ended up getting a job as a high paid bond salesman on Wall Street actually at Solomon Brothers. It's his true story. And that was the hottest book when I was graduating and everyone wanted that kind of exciting, high paying job. But how I ended up leaving Wall Street to be my own boss was much more deliberate. But let me just tell you a little bit more about my Wall Street days. So I started there post-college because it was the hot job and I, I really enjoyed it. I had great bosses even though they were male bosses, they still mentored me and cared about my my career. And 
the year that I left was because I was working on the trading desk and my boss at that time was not one of those bosses who was watching out for me. And as is the norm, he was just mentoring one other guy on the desk that was exactly like him. And that's normal. People mentor people who they see themselves in. And that guy was a white British male. So that situation started to get uncomfortable or unpleasant for me where I felt very alone. And it's in those situations where we start thinking about change. We're never making any transitions or changes when we're comfortable or content. So I got to the point while working there where I started thinking, should I try to go to a different firm? Should I try a different department? And to be honest, I'm already at the best firm that there anyone could even want to be on on Wall Street, Goldman Sachs. And even to this day, they're still the best. So I knew it wasn't really about changing firms. And I also thought about the idea of changing departments was only a band-aid on the bigger picture of what I really wanted to do. I often think about someone named Brad, who worked in the equities division with us, uh, trading area. He would read let me rephrase it. He would devour financial magazines, barons from cover to cover on the weekends so that on Monday he was rearing to go. Most everyone else, even the ones who are a little bit more seasoned there, would not enjoy that part of their job on the weekend because the weekend was their own time. But I wanted to feel like Brad. I didn't want to feel like everyone else did, does about their job. And I decided that I was going to quit. But it wasn't just that I was like, okay, I'm out. At that same time, I happened to be taking jewelry classes. I was making making jewelry, just doing fun stuff on the side on the weekends. And I've always loved working with my hands. And it never occurred to me to take uh, or to do a job in jewelry or, or the arts because I grew up with parents, immigrant parents who are like, you do that as a hobby, not as a career. So when I was thinking about quitting Goldman Sachs, I was at the same time making jewelry, and at the same time, bringing that jewelry to different little stores. There were stores that I love shopping at, and I would bring the jewelry there because I figured if I like the things in this store, we probably have the same idea of style or aesthetic, they might like the jewelry. And that is where I initially first sold my jewelry wholesale. When I decided to leave Goldman Sachs, I had already thought through the fact that I wasn't going to go try to be in a different firm. I wasn't going to switch to a different department. And I knew what I wanted to feel about my job. I didn't have any aha moment or uh, some incident that caused me to leave. It's just been sitting on me and I realized I wasn't happy. So I went to go talk to the head of our division who also offered me some other area of the firm, but I knew I just wanted to go. And this is where from my first to second career, it wasn't, Wall Street was about, uh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing coming out of college. And then becoming a jewelry designer was about, I want to work for myself. And I know I just want to be my own boss. And ironically, I wasn't even sure that I was going to be a jewelry designer and that I would form my own business doing that. That was one of the ideas that I had. Another idea that I had, which uh, which I didn't, I guess, follow through to fruition, was the idea of taking people on shopping tours. You know how you have food tours? It would be a shopping tour of New York because I knew all the little shops. You know, I'm sure a lot of people do. All the little shops and all the cute little neighborhoods. 
And I thought that that would be an interesting business to do. But because things kept working out in terms of jewelry, where stores would pick up my jewelry, for example, at the American Craft Museum, they picked up some of my jewelry. I was selling jewelry in uh, those local stores that I that I really enjoyed. And at that time, after I quit Goldman Sachs and was working on my jewelry, trying to figure out what I was going to do, I was also sending my jewelry uh, photos of it to magazines. And back then, fashion magazines were in print. The two biggest ones where women read and shopped from was InStyle Magazine and Lucky Magazine. So in that first year of me quitting, because I had submitted uh, photos and basically was marketing my, my jewelry, I was featured in a magazine called Victoria Magazine on the front cover. I got into InStyle Magazine in their, this one section they have where they feature jewelry. And that's a big deal because I started getting phone calls for orders for these pieces in, uh, in the magazines. And it was there that because things just continued to work out, that I continue to pursue being a jewelry designer. In that situation of designing my own jewelry, it was a little lonely because I was starting out a business on my own. I really didn't have a playbook as to what I was going to do. I was just buckling down and trying everything that I knew, like try to sell it in local stores, send line sheets to other stores, I ended up at one point selling items to 1-800-Flowers and also Garnet Hill, which is a big deal. Those are big catalogs that people shop from. And that's what I spent my time doing, trying to get my jewelry out there. But the big game changer in me really establishing myself as a jewelry designer or entrepreneur is actually when I met my now ex-husband. But that was probably uh, a year year, year and a half into me leaving Goldman Sachs and trying to start my own business. He had said to me, what you need is to have your own store. That creates legitimacy. And he's right. To have your own brick and mortar location, especially during, I guess, any time, it does give you clout. So I started looking around for spaces and actually found something a block from where he and I lived. And because he was a union electrician, that first store of mine was built by him. And all of that kind of just, it's like serendipity. The universe is pointing me towards the direction of jewelry. I was getting orders. I was getting featured in magazines. And now I had my store. So far in this career change, I started off with doing what I thought I was supposed to do in my younger years, not knowing what kind of job I wanted. I just knew, you know, this is what people supposedly want. And then having a deep realization that I only wanted to work myself, which is how eventually I left Goldman Sachs. I came into jewelry, even though I didn't know jewelry would have been it. I would never have guessed jewelry when I was in, in my twenties or even any, any of the, in my formative years that that would end up being a jewelry designer. And then how it shifted into fitness, I think I've mentioned before in a different podcast, was it was 10 years in and the financial crisis happened. And I said, as I mentioned before, we make changes not when things are comfortable and we're content. It's only 
when we're uncomfortable or stressed out that we really think about what we want to do next. So the financial crisis hit. I had my three stores, my three locations. I pared it down to two locations because during the financial crisis post-2008 to 2010, people started stopped shopping. They stopped shopping, and the only things that people really were spending their money on was drinking and eating, I guess, like in any, any type of economy. And I pared it down to two stores, then I pared it down to one store, and then I eventually decided to close all my stores, so it's 10 years in, and open up a, I would call it um, a counter at the Limelight, which at that time was a... It was an old church that became a nightclub, really famous in the 80s uh, as a nightclub, 80s, 90s. And then that space was unused and a developer decided to make it into a funky little mall. So I had a jewelry counter there. I, I downsized to that and still wasn't sure what I was doing. And it was during that time when I downsized that the economy was horrible and I was starting to have my marriage unravel. Uh, I think I've talked about this before. So here I am again in this situation where everything that's solid for me is now crumbling. And I was always trying to decide what am I going to do next? Because the economy sucks. No one's really buying jewelry and my marriage is falling apart. At that time, I think I've mentioned before, I started going to the gym across the street from my studio apartment after I had uh, left my husband. We were still, we hadn't gotten divorced, but we we're trying to figure that out and started taking a personal training intensive. It was really to learn more about strength training because all of that was something very new. I didn't grow up strength training. Uh, girlfriends don't meet together to do strength training. Maybe they do now, but not, not my generation around 52. That's uh, in Generation X, we didn't meet up to go work out that way. Maybe you'll take a yoga class together, but not some kettlebell or lifting class. So all that stuff was new, which is why I started, I decided to take that personal training class. And it was during that class, I thought, oh, maybe I can do this as side income to my now downsized jewelry business where I had a counter. And then even then was thinking about just downsizing to an office and just running an online business, uh, which I eventually did while I was learning personal training and thinking about becoming a personal trainer as a part-time gig. I eventually, as, as evidenced 10 years later, decided, let me pursue this personal training because right now I'm burnt out from the jewelry. And I was really curious about the training. It was a, a, something very new for me. So it's like starting something new. It's a kind of exciting. And because in my life, I've already started from the bottom twice, you know, and then moved on. So even when you work on Wall Street, you're starting from the bottom. When you're coming out of college, you're a low man on the total ball. And even when I opened my jewelry store, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a nobody trying to make it big. So I knew how it felt to be starting from the bottom as a personal trainer. And that is the experience that happened when I worked at Equinox. You are a trainee, so you have to do shifts where you're picking up towels, you're greeting people. You're not training yet because you're putting in your hours to be familiar to members as we are also learning how to train people. 
So uh, that's how that started. So my advice for you in case you're thinking about changing careers is number one, understand that you're most likely to make the change when you're uncomfortable. Uh, Some situation or financial situation or personal situation, or even at work, having a horrible boss is going to prompt you to really think more about action. Or even if you're laid off, that's going to prompt you to think about action and whether you want to go back to the same same thing. Number two, following your curiosity is really important. Well, just in life as personal development, but uh, not that necessarily that's the way you find your new career, but it opens up different things about yourself, your interests, your creativity that you would not necessarily know of. Even as a kid, did we know of all the different kinds of jobs that out there? There's trying to think, you know, we, there's the ones we know of in general, doctors, lawyers, whatever, but who knew that there were at that age, tax lawyers, or as a doctor, someone who just deals in hormones. So everything can get very specific and specialized. And we don't know until we start pursuing our curiosities for things. And when you decide to try something out of curiosity, it doesn't have to mean that that's going to be your new career, but you need to understand that when you do, the hardest part about switching to something else is that you're going to be starting from the bottom. That can be either very exciting or it can and very scary, but most likely that's what you'll be doing if you do a big switch like I did. Now, I know my advice about following curiosity might not pertain to something more unconventional, like you can't just follow your curiosity and be working from in advertising and switch over to private equity. That that's going to be a very big step down to learn the process on the way up. But if it becomes something you're really interested in, it won't feel like work. You should have a balanced life, but you want to have that kind of feeling when you find something new, when you have the choice to find something new, where you really enjoy doing it. They say it all the time, enjoy doing it unpaid. Of course, we want to get paid, but you really want to enjoy spending your time doing it. Because as you make career changes, as you get older, that's that's what it's all about. It's about figuring out uh, what it is that fits in with your core values. Core values mean money important to you, even though we all want money. Not everyone's driven by, I got to make money. I need to make money. And it's obvious by my career choices that money's not one of my key core values, even though, of course, I like money, but I'm not driven by money. And for me, I I am driven by having freedom. I like to have, I want to have freedom of choice in my mind every day and in my life. And that's why my choices revolve around that. But You want to think about that too, as you're making your career change, what is it that you want in your life that gives meaning for you, especially if you're going to be doing this for the next 20 years. So you're in midlife or beyond, it's got to fit in with that. So I hope this was helpful, even though not everyone's going to follow my career path, but in sharing some of the decision-making that I made and how I got into it, Hopefully, we'll give you a little bit more of an idea of where you want to go next. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to subscribe. You can also find me on my website, ironstrongfitness.net, or follow me on Instagram at ironstrongfit. 
see you at the next episode.